It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Monday evening to recap, I guess, what was a 2-1-1 weekend for Illinois Revenue Sports, but we're going to focus much of today on the one loss, unfortunately, and basketball, here's the deal. We got plenty of basketball left, kind of a break coming up here in the next couple weeks with one game Friday against Western Illinois, and then not again, I think, until at Rutgers on December 2nd, so... After this rash of home games where Illinois has one loss to Marquette and they're taking care of business for the most part against other teams, even with some slow starts in there, Illinois basketball just a backseat for this week. And I will let you know a programming note we'll do today with Thanksgiving coming up. This will be the one episode that we have this week and either Saturday or Sunday we'll do a podcast following Illinois Northwestern which all of a sudden is as consequential as it could possibly be because a bowl game is still meaningful. We'll we'll get to all that in a bit. But I want to start with, as usual, kind of a more macro discussion and, and try to parse through why Saturday was such a bummer. Now, it wasn't until it was. For about three and a half quarters, it really did feel like Illinois was going to win that game. And, you know, I keep telling myself that despite this Illini fandom thing that we have where we expect the bottom to fall out, I, I really wasn't getting there on Saturday until the bad punt and the kick return, and then Iowa only has to go 50 yards to score a game-winning touchdown, which there was plenty of time left in the game, but still with about eight minutes to go, it felt like, oh boy, that's just exactly what they need to kind of propel themselves towards something. What made it a bummer on Saturday, and it only took a few minutes reflection afterwards, was not so much losing a game at Iowa in a fashion that many teams lose at Iowa. That was a signature Iowa game. In fact, there was a Facebook friend, someone that I went to Lollapalooza with, with a group of friends 11 years ago, and she was a graduate from Iowa. And went with her husband there and said, oh, just a, just a classic Iowa roller coaster win, you know, and then black and gold emojis. And and for them and for a lot of Iowa fans, even though it might be vexing at times, that is their identity. Them winning that game is not a shock to any Iowa fan. And of course, it's not a shock to football fans in general. But the point is, losing that game in a vacuum is not the big issue. It's reflecting on why that loss is particularly detrimental. And that reflection led me to this point. About two months ago, right? September 20th, let's say, that was right around the Florida Atlantic game. I said, all that matters right now is that you beat Florida Atlantic, you beat Purdue, you beat Nebraska, because it is going to be a tougher second half of the schedule. And these three games are against lesser opponents. If we are a team worth a damn, we win these three games. You won one of them. And... I know that going backwards is maybe a little counterproductive, or if not counterproductive, just plain not productive at all. What are we gaining by going back and reflecting on games in September and early October? But I think what it tells us is this season, to this point, has been a massive missed opportunity. Now, I can't go so far as to say it is a failure. That could come Sunday if we lose on Saturday. And after texting with Trevor and Isaac about this, 
I think Trevor put it perfectly. He, he kind of put into words what I'd been thinking but hadn't been able to really articulate to this degree, to this simplicity. We all agree that if you lose on Saturday, this season is an abject failure. And I think that is fair to say. While you have had worse years, anything less than a bowl game this year with all the talent that you did have coming back, and yeah, despite losing a defensive coordinator, a lot of continuity in the coaching staff as well. And a lot of new coaches in the Big Ten West. Oh, and by the way, the worst division in Power 5 football history, arguably. 5-7 and seven would be an abject failure. 6-6, six and six, here's the good news, would be a miraculous save job for this season. It would be a crazy turn of fortunes after you started 2-4. and four, But you didn't have to be in this position in the first place. I remember distinctly the Friday night when we elected to do a garage tailgate from the Nebraska game because it was too damn windy. And after the Purdue debacle, there just wasn't a lot of juice after a full day of school to pack the car, go to the tailgate lot. No, let's just do it in the garage. And we're probably going to do that again Saturday. Because at a certain point, there's only so much energy that you can put in as a fan before you say, you know what, I I have other things I'd want to do and I I can't put this time and energy into a team that is not providing me with a commensurate level of fun. And this season has been, in a word, exhausting. I think why it's been exhausting is that I have, and I continue to do this maybe against my better judgment, but you all know I don't believe in hexes or jinxes or anything like that. I think you play the games in front of you. There is no third-party spirit in the sky holding the lever, okay? This is all coming down to execution and making plays and personnel and coaching. It's the game in front of you. So I do not believe, and still, even after the Iowa game, after all these examples, I don't believe that Illinois football is, for whatever reason, doomed to suck. I don't believe that for a second because I've seen way too many other programs in my lifetime Suck, 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 suck. And then they figure it out. And I know we always point to Wisconsin, but you know what? Iowa, pre Hayden Fry, how great were they? I don't even know. And even between Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz, it took a little bit of transition time to get that going again. I understand it takes time, and I'm willing to grant it time as well. But I think the reason this season has been exhausting is because I've looked at the schedule as objectively as possible, deemed it to be fairly easy, which I think we would all objectively agree on. And this team and this coaching staff and these players, any opportunity they had to really garner momentum, they just haven't done it. We're looking at a season right now where you don't really have a signature win. And what I mean by signature win is a game against an opponent that is meaningful to the fan base. One that you put a little feather in the cap means a lot. That's why last season the Wisconsin-Iowa-Minnesota stretch was Pretty remarkable because these were Big Ten West teams that you historically didn't beat. Well, maybe Minnesota. You have a pretty good record against them, but certainly the Wisconsin-Iowa stretch, that was unusual, right? It was meaningful. They were signature wins. They made you feel like there was true momentum going forward. And as fun as the comeback against Minnesota and the craziness of the Indiana win, as random as the win at Maryland, you don't have that signature moment. You don't have that thing for the casual fan or even the hardcore fan to lean back on and say, 
progress was made or we've really established ourselves now as a relevant team again in the Big Ten. Far from it, in fact. And I think the confusing thing for me is I recognize and appreciate the fact that the floor has been risen considerably with Brett Bielema. But even with that, in this college football and really just college sports landscape with NIL and the transfer portal and the means these coaches have to quickly change fortunes, we are seeing the third year in a row a remarkable ability to not close out games. And I acknowledge that, yes, there were three games this year. Well, yeah, four, really. Toledo, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, where they did just that. They closed them out with comeback wins from the offense. But what's particularly vexing, and we're going to get to the sponsors and then really dig into this, is that the defense, the calling card, you would think, of a Brett Bielema team, of a Brett Bielema team's identity, defense has let you down again and again and again. And against the opponents they've faced, it's particularly unacceptable. Iowa being the most glaring example. An offense led by some short, stout quarterback named Deacon Hill who couldn't move worth a lick, making just enough plays to best you. Giving up two runs when you could least afford it in a game where you really just need needed the defense to be stout. I'm going to get to that in a second because <laughs> I don't know if that was a jumbled mess of an opening segment, you know, kind of going macro and the fact that this has been a missed opportunity and ending with what I think is the why. Why has this been a missed opportunity? And that the consistent threat throughout for this season has been a defense that has not lived up to its billing, even when we thought Yes, they'll take a dip. But to this degree, no. And I'm fairly certain that those over there at the Smith Performance Center didn't count on that either. So let's hit up the sponsors real quick. DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. And I hope, I hope, 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 hope. That Sunday around 6.15, you get back out to the lots. You go to dpdoe.com and you order yourselves a celebratory calzone. Before we get announced for the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, enjoy some actual good Italian Food. The calzones at DPDO are fantastic. They include custom zones with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdo.com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy and he could be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, got to thank Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call 217 841 4728. And we have made it all the way through November 20th without really any freezing cold days, but they are a coming. So don't wait. Schedule your furnace check today with the folks at Dogtown Heating and Plumbing, your home's best friend, at 217-841-4728. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. That's O-W-E-N Builders. And Luke and his staff are tremendous at what they do. You can check out a gallery of their work on their website. And what's best about them, apart from the craftsmanship and the service, they are excellent at communication, I saw the most recent Google review was about just that. They are so good at that. And for anyone that's worked with contractors, you know that can be hit or miss. That's OwenBuildersLLC.com. Also got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. And we're just doing audio today, not YouTube. Just got back from a run and wanted to knock this out quick. 
Thanksgiving week tends to get a little bit crazy around here. Easy for me to say. My my wife is such a pro at this, and we're we're having family um, over on Thursday, and she is doing pretty much every single bit of the cooking. And this is kind of her Super Bowl, and she's so good at it. So, yeah, I'll be doing some things here or there. It's more just kind of helping out any way I can. But it is funny how these weeks tend to. God, it's Monday and you're already thinking about, I got to get this, that, and the other done before Thursday. So we're going to do this one today. We'll be back Sunday probably for a reaction to the Illinois Northwestern game. But I, I, I wish we weren't here. Let me rephrase. You know what I said before the season was that this is going to be a, a good team and they're going to have a really good record because of the opponents that they're going to face. I don't know if I said at all in the preseason that this team was going to be better. I'm not going to go back and relitigate every podcast I did in August, but I, I cannot recall saying this team will be better because I didn't believe that for one. But I did think that two, the opponents that you played and the way that the home away games shook out, this was actually very conducive to winning maybe more games than you were even deserving of in a typical year. But we sit here at five and six, and this is a position that Illini football fans are well familiar with. Five and six before Northwestern in 2015 at Soldier Field, a day after it was announced that Bill Cubitt would be back. Ugh. Paul Kowalczyk made that announcement. It's not ideal, he said. It, sh- it certainly was not. And then he lost at Soldier Field in front of, what, 15,000 fans to Northwestern. 2019, you're six and five. Come back from a hard-fought loss at Iowa, and you lose to a four-string quarterback and really get your butts ran at home by a, I think, two or three-win Northwestern team at that point. 2021, here's some good news. You were 4-7, and seven, nothing to really play for except the rivalry game, and you smoked Northwestern at home. It was a pretty nice way to end that season, and for the first year under Bielema, made you feel like things were going in the right direction. And, and maybe, maybe that's what we could get Saturday. But what led us here more than any factor this season, I believe, is the defense taking as much of a step back as it did. Which you might find weird to say after you gave up, what, 15 points, 281 yards to Iowa. But I think the frustration for me comes in now reflecting on the year as a whole and wondering, why was it the time and time again when you needed one final stop from the defense that a lot of times they were unable to do that, even in wins, even in wins. Take Maryland. Defense played a pretty good game overall, right? I mean, we'll call it a solid B, given the fact that Maryland has a lot of talent on their offense. You're up three. Granted, the offense had a couple of not very productive series themselves. The defense was holding and holding. And yet they still give up a game-tying field goal. Now, you went back and got your own field goal, and you won that game. But again, that's, that's a minor example of how the defense unable to close out the game. And were you asking for a little bit more? Yes, you were. But why is it that we can't ask for a little bit more from one unit? The offense has won one you games. The defense has really yet to do that. The following week against Wisconsin, we know what happened. Yes, you lost your superstar, but you choked so mightily in that game. And of course, we could say, well, the offense, why couldn't they have gotten one more score? That's fine. That's fine. But you spot a defense, a two-score lead against a backup quarterback making his first start, and you can't hold that. And in fact, you just gave up, give up about 250 yards, I think, in that fourth quarter, at least 200. 
a choke job. Minnesota, without Johnny Newton, they look bad. We know that. But they did tighten up in the third quarter and the first half of the fourth quarter before giving up the game-leading touchdown for Minnesota on busted coverage. Then you get Indiana. Other than Kansas, the worst, well, actually, if you consider the opponent, the worst defensive performance all year, and it took a 507-yard performance from your backup quarterback to win that game for you in overtime. The defense, with an 8-point lead, allows about 75-80-yard drive in about a minute and a half to tie the game late in the fourth quarter when they had hardly been on the field in the second half. And then you get Iowa. And for the second and third quarter, damn it, they look good. But you know what? You got to look good for four quarters. And a lot of defenses have done that against Iowa. And when you could least afford it, you give up two big runs. One for a touchdown and one on a third and eight. That if you would have just stopped them, you knew they were going to run it. If you would have just stopped them, you get one more chance. Maybe it amounts to nothing, but at least give yourselves a chance. And the defense couldn't even do that. Now, I could point, and I have, and I did on Saturday, much to the chagrin of some fans, but I can point at Aaron Henry and say, that's not good enough. And I'll give you some numbers that bear that out. Last year, you were first in scoring defense, and I believe first in total defense in the conference. If not first in total yardage defense, top three. Here's where you're at this year defensively. 12th in scoring defense. You have given up 320, sorry, 308 points. That's 28 points a game in the Big Ten West. Unacceptable. Totals. This is yardage. Defense, 12th out of 14. 378.2 yards a game. Only teams behind you, Purdue and Indiana. And that goes the same for scoring defense as well. Rushing defense. Illinois, 12th, giving up 150 yards a game. Passing defense. Illinois, 11th giving up 227 yards per game. Defensive efficiency, let's see if I can't get that. Tenth, that's actually your best ranking so far. That's unacceptable. Now, just out of curiosity, you know, I was thinking this myself with Barry Lunny, who after the Nebraska game, it was like, this is done, this is toast. Your offense, scoring sixth in the Big Ten, 22.8 points per game. Total offense, are you ready for this? Third, 385.2 yards per game. Yes, there's an outlier with Indiana. I understand that, but even if you take that out, you're top half of the Big Ten. Rushing, Illinois, even without any health in the backfield, ninth offensively, 12th defensively. Jesus Christ. It's just the more I read this, the more ticked off I get. Passing, Illinois third offensively offensive efficiency fourth defense again 11th and then 10th in defensive passing efficiency those are just numbers but we've seen it we know it intangibly and then the numbers bear it out this defense has been bad and the frustration comes 
from a few different areas. One comes at the very top, or pointed at the very top with Brett Bielema, who thought when Ryan Walters was going to go to Purdue, he had a decision to make. It was going to be Aaron Henry or Kevin Kane. I'm guessing that was the decision, higher from within, without much of a consideration of going outside, right? And the idea, I think, was that, hey, I'm Brett Bielema. I got Andy Boo. We're both former defensive coordinators. Let's promote Aaron Henry, the wonderkind, the great recruiter, the energy that he brings, and he can grow into the role. Now, it would be disingenuous of me to sit here and say that I didn't like the move at the time because I felt like given the fact you were losing Ryan Walters, you had a choice to make and that it was a calculated risk, but one that you could overcome with the staff around you. But unfortunately, there was a quote today that kind of highlighted to me just how much of a fool's errand this was and why it has not worked out. So this is from Aaron Henry at today's, let's see, I want to make sure I get this right. This is from Aaron Henry at today's press conference. He had said, and I want to make sure I get this right, so I apologize for this. Quote, oh no, no quote, this is a paraphrase from Jeremy. Aaron Henry said he has grown tremendously in first year as play caller, and he's learned on the job, especially situational football. Hindsight being 2020, you were an 8-5 and five football team last year. You hired someone who admitted after week 11 that they had been learning on the job this year. Now, I'm a teacher. I, I've learned on the job as well. And I don't want to say the stakes are lower for teaching than coaching, but let's just say the salary certainly is. And considering it is big-time money athletics, college athletics, it, it does surprise me in hindsight, and maybe it shouldn't, that we decided to take a risk on an unproven commodity defensive coordinator, paying him, what, $800,000 a year, whatever it is, close to a million, to go from worst first in the Big Ten to second or third worst, almost across the board. Do not let intermittently okay defense fool you. Don't let the second and third quarter, when Deacon Hill was Deacon Hill, fool you into thinking that that was some great defensive performance from Illinois. When I see people reply to me on Twitter, what, you only gave up 15 points or 13 defensively against Iowa. It's Iowa. It was a big game. We can't ask the defense to be legit good for one game, which against Deacon Hill and all the other scrubs on that offense is not too much to ask. We can't ask a unit to go above and beyond for one quarter in a game, the most important quarter, mind you, when they have a four-point lead and just need to keep Iowa out of the end zone. That's too much to ask. Minna freaking Soda was able to hold them to 10 points. And I guess 17 if you include the Cooper DeGene return that wasn't. But Minnesota, who is right around you at 8th or ninth in the Big Ten in defense, they mustered up enough to get the freaking win. Why is it that this defense, with this front seven, and all the proven commodities that they have, even with the mess that is the secondary, can't get their act together and has arguably gotten worse, and certainly not any better, as the season has went along? This is a week after you gave up 45 points to Soresby and McCauley and the Indiana offense that, by the way, just scored, I think, 20 total against Michigan State. We 
need better from that side of the ball if this thing's going to work. And I tweeted it Saturday, and I'll say it again. If you are a serious program, Aaron Henry is not your defensive coordinator next year. If you're willing to fire Tony Peterson after year one, you damn well better be willing to consider that for Aaron Henry after this year. There may be some ways to mess with that. Massage some egos, reposition people, throw a bag at Jim Leonard. I don't care. It is an 18-team Big Ten. It is not a training ground for a coordinator who already in year one massively underperformed when there was enough talent to not be this bad. I'll get to Barry Lunny in a bit, okay? Because people still seem to be after him. And the first half of the season, on the whole for Barry Lunny, not good. But defensively, there was enough coming back. You have an All-American in the middle of your defensive line. You have pass rushers that are starting to get, get it going. Keith Randolph's health, that's been a concern for sure. You have linebackers that have kind of emerged in Dylan Rosiak. And Odaluga, who's out for the year, unfortunately. Go figure. You have Aaron Henry as a D-backs coach from last year. Unable to develop any of these young D-backs. I know it was a patchwork thing back there, but you went out and got plenty. Injuries have hurt, and yet these guys are getting worse. You don't have an identity. You continue to just throw stuff at a wall. And here's the thing. We could say that Aaron Henry's trying everything, okay, and, and that he's just exhausting all options. On one hand, that could be deemed as an admirable thing for a coach to do when a situation calls for it, okay? On the other hand, why after last year when there was one identity that that defense had, which was attack and be aggressive, why from the jump this year did we see three-man fronts, eight drop back, a lack of aggression, much more zone, and none of it has worked now. You basically abandoned an identity from the jump, and what you're left with is a defense that's probably confused themselves as to what the hell they are. They don't have an identity, despite having enough pieces to have cultivated an identity from the start. That's on the coordinator. It's why Barry Lonnie drove me nuts the first half of this year when he said, we don't have an identity. You're the coordinator. Make an identity. That is what you are getting paid for. It would be too simplistic to say that the defense is why you are five and six. It would be too simplistic to say that. The offense left plays on the field against Iowa. But sometimes you can rationally explain that, yeah, well, that sucks that John Paddock took the extra little jump out to the outside when all he had to do was just fall forward and get the first down. Or, of course, the play before that, I believe, which was Isaiah Williams, we thought he got the first down, and I don't know what the hell that marking was. No unfairness. The officials did call some big penalties on Iowa, too, right? But I think the frustration here is that it was the unit that has let you down consistently this year that let you down again against Iowa. And considering the opponent and the lack of firepower that Iowa had defensively, offensively, excuse me, you were not asking for the world. 13 points for Iowa is like 24 for normal teams. We're talking about the 123rd ranked offense 
in Power 5. Not Power 5, excuse me, FBS. 123. Historically bad. And you gave up two touchdowns to them. Two. What the heck? Again, not asking for the world, but we need better than that. And I think that is a decision that Bielema should have to make this offseason. I doubt that he will. This is where hiring from within, hiring a former player of yours, someone that you brought in from year one to be a D-backs coach, trying to grow him into something. Okay, fine. But the problem is if you're going to grow him into something, then you as the head coach. Now now I've, I've directed all this you know, venom towards Aaron Henry, but here's the deal. He's going to take that opportunity to be defensive coordinator. It is still on the guy at the very top to instill whatever identity he wants defensively. That's on Brett Bielema. And from the jump, from the, after the Toledo game, when Daquan Finn, who was a pretty darn good player, but when he owned you and you knew what was coming up the next week with Jalen Daniels, which by the way, buy yourselves out of that Kansas game. He's coming back next year. Buy yourselves out of it. And it's not a cowardly thing. This is about winning games and making bulls. People will forget within 24 hours that you bought out Kansas. I know we aren't going to do it. I wish we did. As a season ticket holder, I do not give a damn if I see Kansas or Bowling Green. I want the win. Side point. But back to this. You continued week two to be the passive defense and let it get in your head that there was a mobile quarterback. It was only when Drew Aller came to town that for three quarters you actually kind of held your own before Penn State blitzed you in the fourth quarter, and I know they were put in a bad position. But when the Penn State game is arguably the best your defense ever did, and you still gave up 31 or 34 points, whichever it was, that's a problem. That's a problem. The Nebraska game. I remember people saying they played well in that game. They gave up 20 points to Nebraska. Do we not understand that this is a terrible Big Ten West? And specifically, the offenses suck. There are no good quarterbacks in the Big Ten West. You have the best ones, and you're somehow looking at a 5-7 and seven record if you don't get the win Saturday? Who's that, who's that on? It's not on the offense that is third in the Big Ten in yardage and sixth or seventh in scoring. It's not on them. Or am I even getting that wrong there? <laughs> scoring offense right here. Illinois sixth. Total offense, third. Rushing, ninth. Passing, third. How the hell are you only five and six? Of course, if there's a pie chart of blame, Barry Lunny in that offense is getting a decent chunk of it. The first half of the season was not good enough. Fourth quarter against Wisconsin, they could have used one more score. Iowa, they could have closed the thing out too. I understand that. And it is not to absolve them of the plays they left on the field. You had veteran guys like a Casey Washington dropping crucial catches. That can't happen. But we know, watching these games, we are more nervous than ever when the defense takes the field. There's no faith that they're going to make a play. Do you have faith that they're going to stop Ben Bryant and this Northwestern offense? I'm leery, despite the spread going to six and a half. And I'll say this right off the bat. I do think we get the win Saturday. I know it is so easy to say, oh, we're going to have a mental hangover. We're going to come out flat. Northwestern wants it more. That We played two games against Northwestern with Brett Bielema. I'm going to go with recent track record, which suggests that even when you were 4-7, and seven, 
two years ago, and even when you were 7-5 last year after an absolute heartbreaker at Michigan, you ended up smoking Northwestern in both of those. So I would like to think that Bielema and his teams have done a pretty good job of this. There aren't many hangover games that they've experienced. They tend to be resilient and bounce back. So while I think six and a half is quite a bit, I still think Illinois sneaks it out Saturday. But is the defense going to make it easy on you? I don't know. And, and maybe the offense won't either. I know that they have not been by any means great. But I saw that, you know, I listened to Jeremy and Joey after Saturday, and I thought this stood out to me. You know, they, they were talking about letter grades for the coordinators. And I think Jeremy said, you know, C plus for Lonnie. And I think when you look at the season as a whole, that's fair. I'd say the last five games, probably a B. But, and not an A because of the inability to close out Wisconsin-Iowa. Again, this is on money as well. If we're going to talk complimentary football, the offense has to do better. But defensively, I thought this was fair. Jeremy said a D plus. I would say a D plus too. I would. And the D plus is being generous to the fact or cognizant, I should say, of the fact that the secondary has not worked out the way you wanted to, and it's not necessarily Aaron Henry's job to build the roster. The roster construction back there was not as good. You did have the Matthew Bailey injury, which maybe we'll find out next year. That guy is a true star, and boy, did we need him. That could be the case, because think about the bowl game against Mississippi State. I thought that was a really good start for Aaron Henry. The you know Only sending a three-man front and then having eight drop back You gave up some yardage, but you kept everything in front of you, and it took every fiber of Mississippi State's being to finally get that last score. And that was without Devin Witherspoon and without Sidney Brown playing, right? But this is inexcusable. And I would like to think if you're a big boy program, you look at that. You look at that. I mentioned 10 minutes ago, maybe, I think the pay Jim Leonard... Give Aaron Henry some weird title. He's the D-backs coach and the assistant D-court. I don't know. I mean, anything to make it look like less of a demotion than it actually is. But it has not worked this year, plain and simple. And if you want to sit there and tell me that, well, Aaron Henry can grow into it even more next year, sort of like a Barry Lunny has finally, after a year and a half, kind of figured out what he is best at as far as offensive play calling. You really want to wait that long? And by the way, Barry Lunny was already an offensive coordinator before he came here. And maybe not always at the highest level, but he had a bit more of a pedigree as far as play calling than Aaron Henry. I I feel, uh, God, I'm not trying to be unfair. I know a lot of people were pissed at me on, on Saturday, the reactions I got. And I understand that emotions are high when your team loses and when no one's happy about it. But for God's sake, with Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, and with Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman, with linebackers emerging in a Dylan Rosiak and an Odaluga, with Xavier Scott playing pretty decent ball and Taz Nicholson when he's not committing penalties, still a decent cover guy. Why have we not been able to coalesce this into a much better unit than what it is? And if they had merely been, let's say, seventh in the Big Ten instead of 12th, you're bull eligible already. Somehow, someway, you probably are. This leads me to a cons- uh, another concern that goes beyond the defense before I get to this Northwestern game. Last year, we often looked at it, and I think it was fair to say that that team was closer to 10-2 and two than they were 6-6. Six and six. And 
And the regular season results bore that out. That team was ridiculously close to 10-2. and two, And the wins that they did have were games that they pretty much controlled. The Iowa game was the closest of the bunch, where it did take a little bit of a late heroics and a, and a lucky break with Sikowski's elbow being down, right? But for the most part, you controlled those wins. 10-2 and two was right there. 6-6, six and six, ah, a lot of more things would have gone differently. This team is unfortunately closer to 3-8 and eight than they are 7-5. and five. But the fact remains, you could be, or 7-4, and four. the fact remains you could be 7-4 and four right now. If you had held on to Wisconsin, if you'd held on the Iowa game, 7-4 and four with wins over those two teams, we have a completely different podcast today. But even if you wipe those two games away, and you beat Purdue and you beat Nebraska like a halfway decent team should have, you're 7-4, and four. the Wisconsin game hurts, the Iowa game hurts, we aren't talking about a great year, but we're talking about a team that managed to keep the momentum going. And this is where I want to end with Brett Bielema before we get to Saturday's game. This has been a bad year for Brett Bielema. And one where a lot of cracks have shown in the armor. And I'm very frustrated by that because, personally frustrated, because I was so on the Bielema train thinking that, especially after last year, even considering the fact, even considering the fact that you went one and five, one and four down the stretch, right? that this was going in the right direction. I am worried that I cannot say that to the same degree going into year four because I've seen too many things on the field. I've seen really odd timeout. I, I don't understand using timeouts like they're not that big of a deal to argue or make a point with the officials. That That is just beginning to really piss me off beyond, um, yeah, it's just really bothersome. But unfortunately, you know, I want to take a step back and recognize we're being competitive in these games, and that is a major step for Illinois football. There's no doubt about that. But also recognizing that when the opportunity is there, you got to strike while the iron is hot. And I will credit Bielema for fielding a competitive team, but I will not credit him for losing games that competitive teams in this Big Ten West should not lose. You had a golden opportunity, and the man at the top did not do a very good job maximizing that opportunity. And now all that means is a steeper hill to climb for recruiting and building that momentum back up. So how important is Saturday? Well, I think it's massively important. Uh, am I that excited if they make a little Caesars Bowl? Not particularly, but I think quite simply, finishing 7-6, and six, even with the really exhausting route in which you would have taken to get there, finishing seven and six with a bull win is okay. As Trevor said in our text thread today, that is a miraculous save job, right? That That is salvaging something that was on death's door after that Nebraska game. And that would be a credit to Bielema because we've seen in the last five games that is what this team should have been from the freaking start. And there were enough veterans on this team where that should have been the case. I don't know what the coaching staff, the coaching staff seemed to be going through some weird identity crisis or something early this year. Trying to make something that wasn't there. Trying to make it a run offense when Josh McCray was ineffective and the offensive line couldn't block the run in the first place. Not setting up Luke Altmaier for success even though Luke was putting up plenty of stats to show that he's a pretty good quarterback and will be going forward. And you know I still like Luke, and I thought John, by the way, played pretty well against Iowa. That guy's got a lot of poise, and I think he's going to give you a really good shot to beat Northwestern. 
And then a defense that was just, I don't know what the hell they were doing the first few games. I don't know. No identity. Still no identity. And you go into an offseason where you have got to load up. You've got to load up on talent. Because while the schedule's not terrible next year, it's not easy. And it's certainly not as easy as this schedule was. Just a missed opportunity. So this may sound like a a downer of a podcast, but I I think the frustration is that, my God, we're this close to looking another five and seven year. And I'm I'm still, yet again, I'm going to go through this week as I've done all year long, even after the disappointments, and say, just give me a glimmer, guys. Give me a glimmer. Show me a little something that you're, you're better than what you've shown. Show that you're a halfway decent team. Iowa was the last chance to make this a good year. Let's call it what it is. Winning that game and beating Northwestern, we would have said, hey, that's a good year. Really rough start. What a great finish. That feels good. Momentum is back. Okay, you missed that opportunity as you have many this year. Now it's all about salvaging this thing, right? It's all about salvaging it and saying, whew. Mission accomplished. You go out to the recruiting trail. Hey, even with a bad start, we made a bowl game. You can make that work. You can. But I worry that a five and seven regular season and no bowl game, I don't know how you make that work. And other than selling playing time for certain positions in the transfer portal, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing anybody, recruits or fans, that this thing is heading in the right direction. It it feels more right now like we're treading water in it. That's not what I anticipated for a team that seemed to have enough coming back and enough new pieces that were intriguing and enough continuity on the coaching staff to be better than this. The Iowa game, again, is not the big issue. It is a culmination of what led you to this 5-6 and six record and how you were this close to saying too little too late and it all comes down now to a plucky Northwestern team coming into town, hungry to get that hat back. We will learn a lot about this team, I think, on Saturday. And we've seen them be resilient before, and if they're as resilient as I think they are, they get the win even if it's not pretty, right? I still think there's just it's just a better team on the Illinois side of things if they play their game. And if they play like they have from Maryland to this point, I think they get the win. But if they don't, I really dread the podcast I'd have to record Sunday. I don't want to do that. I so badly want to come say, hey, you know what? <laughs> They got the win, and they're 6-6, six and six, and we got to wait a week to figure out what kind of crusty bowl game we go to. But, you know, if it's in Detroit, you bet your ass I'll be there. I'll be there for Christmas anyway. <laughs> like, uh, Why not? That'd be fun. And uh, I don't want to have the other conversation. I really don't. Listen, not the best Thanksgiving podcast. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm thankful for being competitive, but I'm not feeling the gratitude for what feels like a missed opportunity. It's not too late. It's not too late, guys. Please get the win. Win a ball game. Seven and six. In the media guides and on the recruiting trail, it all looks the same. Seven and six ain't that far from eight and five. And you just got to start stacking these seasons where you make the bowl games and, and you start winning Big Ten games consistently, right? That'd be four and five in the Big Ten. Four and five the first year, five and four last year. You know, I think right now you're 12 and 14, I think, in the Big Ten under Brett Bielema. This would get you to 13 and 14. Yeah, you're getting there. But to continue to get there and to eventually get over that hump, it's a very important game. It really is. And it's Northwestern, and we don't want to lose to those scrubs. 
So I, I'll leave you with a prediction because I won't see you guys or talk to you all before that game. I think Illinois wins. I, I do. I think they win like uh, 27-24, 27-23. I think the offense will look pretty good again. I, I know Iowa was Iowa, but there were still signs of life from that offense that shows you have a, one of the better offenses in the Big Ten West. You really do. Now, I know it's the skinniest kid at fat camp argument, but they are showing something. And now it just comes to can the defense – just not blow this. And I know that sounds so cynical, and maybe someone even perceived that as unfair. But I need to see the defense make a damn play. Like, you know, a takeaway? I mean, really, that Iowa game, all it really required was one takeaway. At one point, did we get a takeaway? I don't think we did. It's not that hard. How do you go from so many takeaways to hardly any? And I know that losing Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown has a lot to do with that. And Quan Martin and Kendall Smith, but... Man, it's like, why didn't we just run back the defense that we played last year? And know that the secondary was going to give up a few more plays here and there, but at least you'd be in the same position to allow yourselves for these game-breaking plays, and we haven't even done that. So, yeah, frustration abound, yet here you are in a position to make a bowl game. So for that, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for you, the listeners, and I would like to think that we'll have something cheery to talk about on Sunday after what looks to be a beautiful Thanksgiving Day weekend. I will not be in the lots on Saturday because we have family around and we're just basically going to do the garage tailgate again and enjoy each other's company and the warmth of my garage with a big old TV and smoked meat and all that deliciousness. But for those that are going good on you, I know that the Northwestern Illinois games never tend to get great turnouts and kudos to those that are making it out. And... When we come back Sunday, we got a lot to talk about, and I hope it's positive. So, hey, the way to support the podcast, of course, is support our sponsors, DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. And Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network and you, the fans. And truly, on Thanksgiving week, I, I appreciate the fact that you all tune in and, and follow and um, it's weird. I, I try not, I'm not a complainer. I don't feel like I really don't. I feel like I, I am really happy when things are going well, but when things are going poorly, I, I try to identify why are they going poorly and, and should they be going, going poorly? Why should it be going this poorly? And I understand why that can get construed as, you know, me being a negative Nancy, but truly I, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm a happy guy. I hope it comes through sometimes in the podcast and maybe not today so much, but I, I truly do appreciate all the listeners who have let me do this and continue to do this. And, you know, even with this kind of off year, the, the listenership keeps going up and, and I enjoy doing this and I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I do doing it here in my basement studio. And we'll keep doing it, doggone it. And I would really love to think that we can do one for a bowl game as well. Cause you know what? Bowl games are fun. Even the crusty bowl games are fun. It's holiday season. I want to experience that. And I hope this team wants to experience it as well. I would imagine they do, and that's why I think that they will muster up enough to get the win on Saturday. So for those going to enjoy it, hey, have a great Thanksgiving uh, with your families and your friends, and stay safe and eat a lot of food and drink a lot of drink and just eat, drink, and be merry, as my good friend Dave Matthews would say. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.